Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2013. And today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page XXVII, The Doctor's Opinion, fifth paragraph. Today's readers are... The 12 Steps of OA, Lauren N. The 12 Traditions of OA, Esther F. Reading the text this morning for us is Rachel W., Rocky I., and Lisa H. The reference number for yesterday, which was Monday, January 2nd, 2017, is 9405. 9405. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lauren N. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody, on this beautiful day. Um, Lauren N. and uh, read the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Three, sorry, four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our own. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of our defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all who of all persons we had harmed and made, made became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for our knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carried, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren N. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the one that is sharing should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXVII, the fifth paragraph, which starts with many years ago and then ends with before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. That will be initially reading through three paragraphs. Our focus for sharing will be on that third paragraph. And I will ask Rachel W. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Melanie. It's really good to hear you on the line. 
And good morning, everyone. This is Rachel Delby, a recovered compulsive reader, calling from New York. Many years ago, one of the leading contributors to this book came under our care in this hospital, and while here, he acquired some ideas, which he put into practical application at once. Later, he requested the privilege of being allowed to tell his story to other patients here, and with some misgiving, we consented. The cases we have followed through have been most interesting. In fact, many of them are amazing. The unselfishness of these men as we have come to know them, the entire absence of profit motive and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and warily in this alcoholic field. They believe in themselves and still mourn the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So I'm just going to set my timer. Um, so again, I'm Rachel Delby, Recover Compulsory, calling from New York, and I'm really grateful to be reading these paragraphs today. Um, I mean, every day here, but especially here in the doctor's opinion when we get into the foundation of our program. And, um, you know, the the idea of, of needing to put down the substance fully before this whole process can be um, of maximum benefit, you know, this was something that I, it took me years to learn. You know, I, I always thought I could do, do these steps, you know, while eating or do this process while, you know, basically really what it came down to was just doing it my way. Um, because as an addict, very often I, I can act like a two-year-old and stomp my feet and um, say, no, 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 and I'll, I want to do it my way. But but the truth is that I just want to go back into just the idea of that there's the, that power that pulls the chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. And, and um, you know, mentioning that may, may reminded me that, that putting down the food really is a process of, of, of getting, you know, grasping onto step two. Um, it's a messy process. You know, step one, when we talk here so easily, you know, people, newcomers even might hear, um, I know this happened for me, but you might hear very easily on the line, like people are just putting down food and then working the steps. It's not like that. You know, step one is a messy process. For me, it was, it's not a linear process, you know, to get abstinent. It was, um, I was crying to my sponsor that I needed food. And, and I had to, I, I, you know, that, that's what it took, you know, almost a hospital procedure, but not quite. And, um, and really the act of putting down the food was the first act of surrender to something else. And I think a, a common misconception could also be that it takes a long time to work these steps. And that's not true either. You know, there's, not, there's no law against picking up God in the first step. There's no law that says that you, you can't, that, that I can't, you know, when I'm in that unmanageable state and I'm binging, that I can't reach out to God and, um, and start my spiritual life with step one, you know, get a meditation book, do reach out to other people, work my step two to get abstinent. Because the bottom line is for me, what, what, what I have come to know is the truth is what we read on the page before, that it's imperative that my brain has to be cleared before I'm approached. This is, it, it, it's going to work a little for a you know, for me, it worked a little bit for a small amount of time, you know, to be eating and doing these steps, the kind of kind of clunky process. But the idea here that, you know, to be clean and clear to that there is that power that, you know, helps me keep my food down, that doing so, you know, you know, unleashes this whole uh, miraculous process that I don't do alone. I reach out to you. I reach out to God. I reaching out to my fellows has been the precursor to really understanding how to reach out to God for every single thing, um, including the food.
So I'm really grateful to um, be of service today, and I want to wish everyone a, a great day, and thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you very much, Rachel W. Before we open to additional comment on that third paragraph that was read this morning, please state your name one time, and then I will ask who I've missed at the end of that so that you can state your name a second time. Thanks so much. Who would like to comment on that third paragraph? Nessa R. Leah M. Larry. Dina S. Melissa C. Carolyn S. H. Vasa O. Hello? Melanie, we don't hear you. Was that Nessa R? Okay, do we on? I'm sorry. Now it's Nessa Is anyone here? Yes. Nessa, did you want to share on this paragraph? Um, sure. Um, sure. Can I'll I hear go you? ahead. Um, this okay. is Nessa R. Yes, please. A uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I want to share on, on probably the, what everybody else wants to share on is that uh, uh, a man's brain ought to be clear before uh, psychological measures can be of maximum service. Of course, uh, when his head be clear, that means that the substance has to be down entirely, and the psychological measures are the steps. Um, and why? Um, you know, when I'm in addiction, in full-blown addiction, I am blocked from the solution, which is God, by two things. Number one is the food, um, which is my master when I'm in the food, and God is not going to compete with another master. And the second one is myself, you know, my selfishness, my self-centeredness, you know, my self-will. And so the abstinence is meant to deal with the first block, which is the food, and the psychological measure, the steps, are meant to deal with the second block, which is, you know, my self-centered nature. Um, but nothing can really work. The steps cannot work uh, while I'm still in the food because, you know, if I hold on to any of my foods, then I'm st- I still have the phenomenal craving in me. I still have the mind-altering substance um, that prevents me from making any progress. And so, and so this is why not only has to be the first thing, um, it also has to be done entirely. So if I say that I am allergic to sugar, to say that I don't consume sugar uh, in any product that has uh, sugar in the first five ingredients, you know, well, I'm still consuming sugar because even if there's traces, even if there's sugar on the, you know, 10th ingredient, I'm still consuming it and I'm still, I still have um, the, I'm still under the, uh, the grips of the allergy of the body 
that ensures that I cannot stop eating. Um, so, you know, if you think about alcohol, and I don't know why we don't think about foods, uh, food substances like we think about alcohol. If, a, if, a, if, a, if an alcoholic would say, well, you know, I don't consume alcohol um, as long as it's not in the first five ingredients, I mean, we would say that's ridiculous. You're still consuming alcohol, but yet when it comes to sugar, when it comes to food substances, I make the same excuses for myself. Well, it's not in the first five ingredients. It's only a trace. It's a minimal amount. It's whole wheat. Um, it has no calories, you know, whatever. Whatever excuses I make for myself, I am still consuming it. And I know for myself until I... I, I honestly identify, when I say honestly, I don't mean honestly with my sponsor or even honestly with God, but honestly with myself, until I become honest with myself and say, these are truly my substances and I cannot consume them in any way, shape, form, or amount, no matter how minimal they are, I am not truly absent and I'm still in the grips um, of the allergy of the body and, and um I won't be able to remain abstinent for long. I won't be able to uh, work the steps. I mean, I can work the steps, but they just don't, they, they will not uh, be effective. So I got to put both my blocks down, but the food has to go down first uh, before anything else can happen to help me with my own self-centeredness. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa R. Melanie C's back. Thank goodness we have perfection out of the way here. I just want to let you know the lineup that I have so far, and then we'll catch the next batch afterwards, please. Next up, I have Leah M., then would be Larry K., Dina, I believe, Carolyn S.H., Tina S., Melissa C., and then Basa O. That's what I have. So, Leah M., you're next. Thank you. Thank you. So much, Melanie. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed. Um, you know, when I'm at this point, <laughs> um, dying of my disease, it's going to take more than acceptance um, to recover. It's going to take willingness and it's going to take action. Because unless I make a decision and take action, even at this point, the admission of powerlessness that's occurring. Um, is superficial and it's short-lived. So what action must I take? What is the big book teaching me at this point? Uh, let's go back to the nature of the problem that Dr. William Silkworth already highlighted um, in the doctor's opinion. What is my problem? My problem is that I have a physical allergy. I am biologically mandated that when I uh, ingest certain substance, it's like throwing a match into a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! It's a drug effect. I am bodily different from most people pertaining food. So I'm going to have to refrain from compulsive overeating. I have to be in a state of food sobriety. I have to be as sober with food as an alcoholic is with alcohol. There can be no compromises. There can be no middle grounds. Otherwise, it's going to trigger a phenomenon of craving, and I'm condemned to eat and eat and eat and eat. So I had to, with the help of someone in whom the problem had been solved who understood the nature of the allergy of the body, review my eating history, and 
abstain from all those substances because the only way an alcoholic can crave alcohol is to first put it in their system. So I had to identify what are those what are those substances that I put in my system that create that phenomenal phenomenon of craving, and I can learn that by reviewing my in eating history. Because the doctor opinion is going to tell us very soon that these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. That condition has never been by any treatment, which with we are familiar, per- permanently eradicated. So I had to take a look. What are those foods that I run to first for comfort? What are those foods that I always try to control? What are those foods that I constantly try to negotiate? And I had to make that list and abstain from those individual binge foods, abstain from those individual binge ingredients, abstain from binge eating behaviors that stimulated that urge and, and desire so that I could be perfectly cleaned out and available for the spiritual journey that I'm about to embark upon. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Larry Kay, you're next. Good morning, Melanie. Um, at Larry K, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. See, there's a problem with us human beings. Well, with me anyway. I've got this, uh, like, sense-making machinery, this brain of mine. And, you know, and, and so I try to make sense of the world. And and um, and, I, and sometimes, it, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, there's illusions, if you will. If our sense-making machinery, our brain, gives us a clear picture of how things are, any analysis that offers a different picture is going to seem off the mark. And this, is, this was one of the things that I struggled with. Maybe you, you did as well because my sense-making machinery told me that I, I, I couldn't put the food down and I wanted more of it. I knew I had a problem with it, but now I'm hearing you got to put it, you're powerless, yet you got to put it down. If this, if this program of action is going to have some, some positive impact for you. And, uh, and, and that just didn't make sense to me. And, and frankly, it made me frustrated and angry because you're telling me I'm powerless, but you're not helpless. And you see, if we, if we have this phenomenon of craving, you will have no control over how much you eat. The craving cycle has begun once we pick up our heroin, right? We take it into our system. And if you think about it, we never have to deal with any of this if we simply choose not to put these substances in our body in the first place. But we are biologically mandated. We have this, you know, there's a mandate. So the main problem of the compulsive eater centers in his mind and in our spiritual condition. And my mind continues to tell me it's okay to take the first, uh, the first bite. You know, what if there was a means of driving out the obsession to pick up? What if, what if there was? What, what if there was an existence that you never experienced before, so your sense-making machinery has not experienced it before, where you would be able to stay sober and not feel so horribly uncomfortable that you're crawling out of your skin because there's someone on the line that's ready to crawl out of their skin right now? What if there was an existence available to you and to me where you no longer lived in fear that you would inevitably pick up as you're feeling right now, as you're working through the steps. Can you imagine that there may come a day that you're, you're abstinent day in and day out, 
and totally comfortable, totally serene, no matter what's going on in your life, no longer having to struggle with the food. Can you imagine that? I couldn't. Do you suppose you might be a person who through the program of action came to believe that a power greater than you could restore you to this sane existence? I didn't know that that was possible, but I was wrong because I've experienced it today. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. The next one up is Carolyn S.H. Hi. Good morning, Melanie. Can I be heard? You can. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Thank you so much for your service this morning. Good morning, everybody. Carolyn S.H., grateful, recovered, uh, compulsive leader from Massachusetts. I just set my timer. Um, And I... um, I was a little nervous about sharing on this this morning, but I I decided to go for it. Um, and um, my experience, um, so I, I learned about this whole idea. So, um, of course, an alcoholic got to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. Um, and this often requires a definite, uh, definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So... I actually um, actioned this before I even knew this. This was knew anything about the doctor's opinion or knew about the whole idea of needing to be abstinent before going through the steps. So I've been abstinent now about two years, and the first time I did the steps, the Big Book way was about uh, I started about six years ago, um, and I was still in the sugar and in complete denial. And I was doing it in another program, um, and I did the I did the process, and I got all the way to the amends, and I did some of my amends, um, but I, I was just like gripped with fear, and couldn't do a lot of my amends, and um, and I was still medicating, you know, with my with my food, um, and I was still not able to to stop that. Um, and it, it got bad enough, and, and I started wondering, you know, why isn't this great process working where everyone else in my other program is, like, having these wonderful benefits, and I'm not. Um, and then I reached out to someone who was also in OA um, and described to her my sugar problem, and, um, and, and she 12-stepped me back into OA. I had, I had been in OA, like, decades ago. Um, and... And then I got abstinent. I heard someone speak who described my issue exactly like her. I felt like her substance was exactly like mine. So I reached out to her. She became my sponsor. And I got abstinent. And then it was only after I was abstinent, I was like, oh, I could do the steps again. So then I did the steps again. And now it it is completely different. And um, now I feel like now I'm, I'm done with my amends. And I still, I struggle, I have, I think I have 30 seconds left. I struggle with, like, my emotions, my experience with my emotions is, I have to say, like a lot of people say in this line, it's not pleasant um, because I'm not medicating them. And so it's a completely different um, experience, but I have absolutely no cravings. I, I've, I, I don't even want sugar anymore. It's not appealing to me. And so it's a completely different existence. Um, so the steps definitely work, but um, it's not like all, you know, uh, roses and puppies. But um, it, I, so I, I just wanted to share that experience. 
That is all I have this morning. Thanks. Thank you, Carolyn S.H. Tina S., you're next. Good morning. Thanks, Melanie, uh, for your service. So good to hear you on the line. Uh, grateful to be here and yeah I heard some really great things and I'm so glad that I'm in the right place you know because I was I'm today forever grateful that I finally accepted the fact that I was bodily different as well as mentally different I accepted that a long time ago and um and that I had an allergy because for a long time I thought this was just an excuse let me tell you very much you know um and so I was different I was different and 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 as long as I'm still in the food you know, I am not psychologically, there's nothing psychologically wrong with me. I am okay. And uh, and this was part of my life for a, a very long period of time. Um, you know, I, I could diet very well until I couldn't, you know, and, and I hear that the, that's a similar thing among us all, you know. And then, and then when I became free of the food, you know, and I could comprehend, when I could finally, finally comprehend and see my experience that I was both bodily and mentally different, and therefore that only a psychic change was going to help me, that it was required for me to have permanent recovery one day at a time, and that is what I wanted. You know, I wanted that freedom, you know, and for a very, and I say this, and I know I'm not any different, for a very long time, I was a normal weight, but I was lonelier in a tomb, you know, until I was able to really practice these principles in all my affairs, because I thought just that, you know, there were a couple that thank, that thank you that I needed them in. Until I was able to practice them in all my affairs, was I able to any to get any kind of freedom or relief. And so grateful today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Melissa C., you're next. Hi. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And... You know, I think one of one of the difficulties um, in getting completely um, sober and getting completely abstinent with the food is that um, our allergies manifest themselves in different ways. So, you know, there have been people in the past who sponsored me, um, and I wanted to use their food plan, but I suffered from an allergy that was a little bit different. I think. You know, when it comes to alcohol, it's maybe it's a little clearer. And when it comes to food, um, in the beginning, it's not. And I think what was so difficult is when you're owned by the food um, and trying to be honest about what your addiction is, those two things are completely incompatible. How can I be honest about a problem with food but I'm being owned by the food at the same time. So my ability to get completely honest, um, that was that was my great problem for a long time. And, you know, I did not. I wanted to be recovered. I wanted to be relieved. But I didn't want to give up, you know, certain foods. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't until um, there was, like, nothing fun and sexy and interesting left in my food plan, and yet I was still binging, um, you know, with, like, freaking shredded wheat cereal. Like, um, there was nothing, you know, and I had a sponsor who didn't have a problem with it, so, you know, she could eat it, so it seemed okay to me, but, you know, for me, it wasn't until my disease reached that level that I was willing to really get honest, because I had no choices left. 
you know, um, I had to get honest because I was dying. And, um, you know, and I also, I wanted to work these steps. I wanted the magic of the steps so that um, the desire to eat would be removed. And, um, but first, uh, you actually have to put the food down, you know. Um, And so what was helpful for me was developing, you know, that list. And initially it was that red, yellow, green list. And the best advice I was given and that I pass on is while you're working your program, just eat from the green. Let's, Let's put the yellow light foods on the red list for a while as well. Um, and that's how I was able to work through the steps. And uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa C. I'd like to open it up again for some others to share. But before you do, would you please just say okay. one time? Lady Therese. Gloria Deborah R. Julie R. Lisa C. Reva P. Natasha C. Natasha A. Natasha. Okay, so what I page, have. please? What page? It's it's page XXVII, and it's the last paragraph that goes over to XXVIII. And I am going to name off who I have, and I believe I have many of them out of order, so please assist me. And I'll ask again who I missed. I have Lisa C. I have Leah. I don't have the, the initial. Do I have Gloria? Yes. Oh, I do. Excellent. And I have Julie R. and I have Natasha. So I have five, and I can probably take up to seven maximum. Can I take two more? Deborah R. Reba P. Deborah R. and Reba P. That'll take it. That'll take us out. Thanks so much. This is what I have. I have Lisa C., Leah, Gloria, Julie R., Natasha, Deborah R. and Reba P. We'll open up with Lisa C. Good morning. I hope you mean Carlisa C. Oh, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> okay, great. Thank, thank you for your faithful service, and thanks okay. to everyone on the line. Um, this past Sunday, there was a very good uh, special edition speaker who spoke to the issue t- for me, um, and that was January 1st, 2017. If you haven't had a chance to listen, you might want to, because he spoke to the itch- issue of uh, having been in recovery and having maintained a certain weight and then having gone through the process of going deeper into his recovery. That's what it was for me. Um, I, my story is uh, that when I came into the rooms uh, almost eight years ago, I, uh, I came in weighing over 300 pounds, and I hadn't been able to release a pound at that time in 10 years. And I was, um, uh, it, was, it was Easter week, and I was binging on one of my favorite binge foods at that time. And I felt a sense of desperation come over me that I knew I was, just knew I was hopeless. I just felt like this is the end of me. I'm going to die. And in that moment, I took the action of asking for the first time in my life the God of my understanding to help me and was directed to a 12-step program that does do uh, five ingredients or less. Many of you all, I'm sure, know about it. And um, that worked for me. Uh, 18 months later, I had been relieved of 185 pounds. I'm a tall person, and that made a substantial difference. 
and <laughs> and in recovery, I have I have become aware that there are a number of other foods that I I, I that trigger me and I have to release. Um, I will, uh, some probably uh, if I thought more deeply about it, I would have known at the beginning. But when I came in as a sobering uh, food drunk and alcohol drunk, my mind couldn't take this so much. And I, I would just like to um, to say that, you know, if, you're, if one is struggling and one is uh, making an effort to be rigorously honest, more will be revealed. Um, my abstinence doesn't have to look like yours, and most probably it's not. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Carlisa. I'm going to step in here for just a second and insert Basa O, if you're still there. You were part of the original first lineup, and I missed you. Thank you for standing by. Basa, are you still there? Press star one, please. Can you hear me, Melanie? I can. Good morning, Vasa. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Thank you for remembering. I was just going to let us go and listen to the next meeting. Melanie, <laughs> 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 and thank you, everyone, for your shares this morning. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Florida. Yeah, I had no clue about the allergy. I had no clue about eating disorders. I really did not know anything about it. This was like many years back, 30 years ago. But I, one thing I knew, I could not stop eating, and it's not like I didn't try to stop. I tried for 25 years before I came to, to the program. I mean, I tried everything that I've heard other people have tried, and this was my last hope. This was my last place. I remember saying, if this doesn't work, I'm just going to die, you know, miserable. I had no understanding about the sugar, you know, and I put it down. It, you know, once I heard it was, a, it was poison, it's like a cocaine, I was addicted, which nobody had to convince me of that. I, was no, I know I was addicted to the sugar and foods, other foods too, and, uh, it, you know, and it was going to kill me. So I went, um, uh, I stopped right away. And it was very uncomfortable going through the uncomfortable feelings that I had been medicating my whole life with dealing with life and life problems with the sugar. And I did go, put it down like a cold turkey. And I was going through the withdrawals. I was experiencing those qualities like on my skin, I couldn't stand it, but I, no matter what, no matter what, you know, I kept going to meetings, I kept on praying to God from one meal to the next, please give me the strength, give me the courage to keep going. It was very, very hard, but again, uh, I didn't want to die, and I took the action, I surrendered to God with the food, with my life and my will, it was much more gradual surrender, a lot of trust issues. And, again, I'm so grateful for the support that I got, got and the people that encouraged me just to keep going, you know. And, uh, and then the surrender was for me to, for the rest of the steps. Uh, and, of course, what I heard, I needed to find a power greater than myself to help me because uh, I couldn't do it any longer by myself. And uh, I turned to God, I turned to the steps, I turned, turned to everything I could, you know, 
Uh, and I never thought it was ever possible for me to put those things down, the certain things down. And yes, I do have a sugary thing. It could be my fruit. I get it from my vegetables, but I don't go to any um, carbohydrates. I don't go any other kind of white, white stuff, you know. And and today it's such a freedom. I don't want to go back to it. I don't need to go back to it. I'm so content and happy with my food plan, and I'm also happy and content with my life today. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And did I hear someone by the name of Leah? Yes, Leah D. Leah D. Good morning. Hi, good morning. My name is Leah D. Recovered in Brooklyn. Um, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure. Um, I'm a member of this group for 42 years, and I didn't know and I never heard that I had an allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind until a year ago. I'm in recovery a year and a month, and uh, I had long-term, very long-term, many, many times of, of supported dieting, lost and gained, lost and gained, and always relapsed. And I didn't understand about the allergy of the body. And my allergy of the body is not only the big six, but my allergy of the body is triggered by food in general. I'm a mass eater. I'm a volume eater. Um, I have so much that I stuff down that it's a constant. And I would have loved to have been hospitalized. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go or what to do. But the last year has given me such hope. And I didn't read the big book. I thought the big book was for alcoholics. I thought the overeaters, yeah, they took what they needed. They, they did their own little program. They fashioned it. Take what you want. That's what I always heard. Take what you want leave the rest behind. So I took the first three steps and left the rest behind because I didn't need anything else. And it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. The freedom that I have today, I've been rocketed into the fifth dimension. And it's through the understanding of who I am and what I need. And I can't just say it's sugar. I'm not, in me it's not sugar. Me it's food, it's volume. Sure, it's the sexy stuff you put together with it. You know, the end result. But I'm a volume eater. I'm a hardcore volume eater. And I, so I can also get set off by the foods on the plan. Just because it's written on that piece of paper doesn't mean it's for me. I have to wait for the hum. And that's what I call it. If I eat a food and I'm suddenly humming or half hour later, I'm hungry again. I have to say, whoa, what is this? Look at this. Hello. And goodbye. And it's not with deprivation and with, with sadness. It's with joy and glee. Because I want the next 30 or 40 years of my life to be okay. You know, I'm really grateful to the rooms, to the people, and to the fact that this has to be. And what I realized, and I'll end with this, is the other day I was reading the OA preambles. And no place in any of the OA literature anywhere does it say allergy of allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. Why is it a big secret? Why are we keeping the secret? I don't understand. Thank you very much for being here. And with that, I'll pass. Leah D. in Brooklyn. Thank you, Leah D. Gloria, you're next. And then Julie R. Gloria, star one. Good morning. Uh, this is Gloria from North Alabama. Uh, glad to be here. 
uh, I really uh, related to that reading. Before I came back to OA uh, in the middle of this past October, which hasn't been that long, uh, I came desperate and I was real frustrated at the variety of, of food programs available. Uh, but after praying, uh, you know, I I researched the Internet and ended up on Vision for You. Uh, I found a sponsor fairly quickly after hearing her story. There were a lot of things I could relate to. But I had never heard this allergy of the body and obsession uh, of the mind. So I started out the journey uh, with the steps led uh, by my sponsor the best I could. And I made decisions at first the best I could. I, I thought I had uh, put food down. Uh, my higher power had helped me immensely through the years to make progress in, in many areas uh, with my food but I still was slowly gaining seven-tenths of a pound a month, and over 10 years, that was a magnificent amount of weight. And uh, it was by trial and error for me that I discovered uh, my binge food, some that I thought, honestly, uh, from my thinking, were not. Uh, when I ate them, I would have, a, you know, a zing and just almost uncontrollable urge uh, to eat more and, and not stop eating, even though I uh, did not give in uh, and, and prayed real hard. So it was a trial and, and error, or trial and error, how I uh, came to identify my alcoholic foods and, and different things. So uh, I'm glad that I didn't stop the process of learning for my uh, gradual spiritual awakening. Uh, because, you know, I absolutely, uh, and I was so glad to have dignity of choice to discover this myself instead of like before some OA sponsors. They told me exactly what to do. And, I mean, I took out big 13-gallon trash bags of stuff with uh, refined sugar in it. But uh, glad to be here, so glad and grateful for the big book, and I'll pass. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you. Julie R., you're next. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Awesome to hear you. Julie, Julie R. from California. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, food. You know, it's like, of course, Julie, don't you, does it work the other way? No, I have so much experience of trying to do it a different way. When I first started in OA in 81, they just said, basically, find your own abstinence, you know, no sugar and no flour. Well, I have a lot of other alcoholic foods, but, you know, it worked until it didn't work. You know, I lost 100 pounds right away, and uh, then the pink cloud was gone because, you know, I still had the obsession of the mind, and I was white-knuckling it off and on, but because I have several things that I'm allergic to. And, of course, I would do the off and on, OA, no OA, OA, on and on. Fast forward to, you know, probably 2008 when I was introduced to a, a structured and disciplined program, which talked about the different 
things that could cause me to have an allergic reaction. So it's so interesting. I'm very clear on what my abstinence is. It, of course, doesn't have any sugars, one thing, but there's a lot of other things. There's food behaviors that are a part of my abstinence. Um, there are certain things that if they come in a bag, I don't eat them, but I can make them myself. All these things that would set me up, and then I would be off and running. And, um, you know, I was 300 pounds before, and now I'm at goal weight because I had to really look at what was driving me. And the only way it says here, before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit, I have that crossed out, and I say, before spiritual measures can be of maximum benefit. You know, if I'm sloppy with my food, I'm going to hear God maybe 30% of the time when he's giving me direction, maybe 40%. And if I'm eating alcoholic foods, I'm not going to hear God 10% of the time. And that is not safe for me to be in charge because I'm at my core, I am a dishonest, angry, vicious, unkind woman, but I'm not that way today because I know each and every one of my alcoholic foods, and I know I weigh and measure my food. I do because volume was a thing for me. So in order for me to have had my spiritual awakening, I had to put the food down, all the food. So I don't understand when when somebody will say that, you know, I'm still, you know, 50 pounds overweight, but I've been abstinent for five years. I don't get that. And I'm not judging. It's just like, have you put down all of your alcoholic foods? I cannot hear God. You know, if I'm thin and I'm coming home screaming and kicking the dog, I got a problem. I have yet to put down something because I'm still having an action. Anyway, with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. And we do have time for two more to share, and that would be Natasha and Deborah R. Reva, would you be willing to stay until the second hour to share, please? Good morning, Natasha. What's the first initial of your last name? Hi, it's A as an apple. A as an apple. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Natasha, recovering compulsive overeater and a young visionary in upstate New York. I'm so, so glad to be on the line. I almost never share, and I just had it in me to do it this morning because this topic is so apparent to me. When I first came into OA and I wasn't working any 12 steps, I was just working out of the workbook and doing normal OA, I was told that I shouldn't eat sugar. And my first instinct to why you shouldn't eat sugar was, well, it has a lot of calories and we're here because we're fat. Isn't, isn't that how that works? So I said, well, you know, I can eat all the other sugars that don't have calories. So I started about my journey in OA eating stevia and aspartame and it didn't have calories. So what did it matter? And it got really bad because... As we know, we have an allergy, and I have an allergy to sweetness in general. I did this whole thing in my head where I, I figured out the chemistry, and it's not really sugar, so it can't affect me in the same way. But it got to the point where I was running out on my lunch break to the store to buy more packs of stevia when I had just went to the store that morning to buy a whole entire 50 pack of sleeves of stevia. It got to the point where I was going in and buying it in bulk online, and it got to the point where I was going to customer service to tell the representative that they need to not run out of stevia because it's going really quick on the shelves. And I was buying out a whole entire, in my local Walmart, I was buying out 
the whole entire supply of stevia. So it was obsessive. And um, when I found the steps, I found what truly the allergy is, and I was able to put down. I don't do any. I don't do anything that's trying to be sweet. I do eat my fruit in the morning, and it doesn't hurt. But I don't do anything that's fake sugar anymore. And I can. I know when my program needs to be worked on certain days because things. The food will start looking good again, and. I know that that's just I need to work my program. And I put down now sugar, wheat, and flour because that's what was recommended to me. And I was so desperate when I came in. I thought I would be stupid not to listen to people. I had the desperation on the kind that I do anything you told me to do. So I put it all down. And besides the yellow light, red light food, I've never been good at, at identifying that because towards the end of my disease, I was binging until I threw up on broccoli. So... For me, I know I don't eat sugar, wheat, and flour, but the rest is is really just working my program because if I'm holding a resentment, all of a sudden I want to binge on broccoli and or a salad. I could just eat leafy greens until I throw up. So I know that I need to work a program, and then the food kind of melts away. When I work a strong program, I do a daily 10 steps, and I uh, live in 10, 11, and 12. Um, I'm going to pass now. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Natasha A. Deborah R., you'll be our last share this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for your service, Melanie. This is Deborah R., and welcome, everyone, on A Vision for You. And a special welcome to all newcomers, because um, you're the most important person here. Um, what I, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical cravings for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. Um, one thing that I was taught by um, in A Vision for You um, years back is that just opposite this page of XXVII, at the very bottom of the opposite page, interesting enough, is the same strong theme. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. Now, do you really think that Bill sat down, wrote this in this order, so that the publisher could put it in a book and have these two sentences opposite each other, kind of like a um, underlining statement that supports everything? Um, I just find that kind of spiritually um, divine guidance that it would be reinforced on page opposite each other. Um, and it makes me think, you know, but for the grace of God go I. The, I must say, um, for many years, um, I was under the illusion that if they're beyond an ingredients level was good enough. It certainly was a start. It certainly had its um, advantages. It was better than sugar at all. Um, and with myself also in a structured and um, discipline program, I did gain a lot of what I felt was recovery and abstinence, lost my weight, kept it off. But what I find is that um, about four years ago, I got rid of all that stevia and all those artificial sweeteners and went totally clean as could be because whether it's 10th on the list or not, it's still in the system. And um, 
I must say um, that I found a, I want to say deeper level, higher level, but a clearing and a more enriching abstinence, an enriching sobriety because I am totally clean from all those sugar substitutes, sugar, sisters of sugar, sugar, and in all its forms. And, you know, until you live it, please for me, and there's my alarm, so enjoy, and I guess. Thank you, Deborah R. Thank you so much. And that ends our meeting for today. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rocky I please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. This is Rocky Eye in Arizona. What was the page? Sorry, I got... It's page 164. Okay, hold on. Let me go there real quick. Okay, so... uh, So this is Rocky Eye, recovered uh, compulsive over here in Arizona, and it says... Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little... God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask them in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who feels sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you have not got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the rut of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.